Welcome to the Imagination in Education podcast, produced by a team of teachers and students at LC Press. Our Liverpool-based homemade podcast is food for thought for educators, for students, and for anyone who is interested in using their imagination to make schools places of joy, discovery, and the development of human potential. Please visit www.lcpress.org.uk to learn more about us and our show. The opinions expressed on the podcast are those of our guests and presenters only. Enjoy the show and keep using your imagination. Hello and welcome to the podcast. On the podcast today, we have Mrs. Kate Scott, uh, inclusion mentor at Liverpool College. I think it would be fair to say that she spends most of her days talking to people about how to get through lockdown, how to survive self-isolation, and in a sense, helps staff and pupils deal with this new reality in school life. Uh, Welcome to the podcast, Kate. It's good to have you here. And normally, you know, we do a lot of uh, grilling of our guests, particularly about their own schooling, their philosophies of education. But today we want to do something a little different, which is talk a little bit about that side of school. You know, there's a lot of, um, and by that side, I mean the well-being, the challenges faced by staff and pupils uh, in this situation that are not I would say, directly medically related. Uh, Like any school, we've undertaken all these COVID-secure measures, but those COVID-secure measures don't necessarily address uh, people's emotional, psychological uh, response uh, to the reality of of going to school in a tier three area uh, Mm -hmm. where obviously there are infections here at school. Uh, We've had year groups go. We've had teachers fall ill with this. Fortunately, no one yet with any severe disease, but with, with moderate disease and with, with some absence. So what, what are you uh, experiencing out there? People just running up to you and saying, I get, you know, I'm nervous. What are the main things people tell you about yeah. how they're experiencing this? Yes, there is some of that. I think also there is a lot of covert issues going on whereby people feel that they should be conforming, should be getting on and getting back on with things and then suffering in the process. So I think that there is, there's most definitely, I see, as you well know, see students every day and I see some staff members um, who come to see me to say, you know, I'm not great. I'm not great. These are tough times. I think that, you know, the fallout has been is that we've had something Um, as human beings which is massive in our lifetime but also we've experienced some hope haven't we you know we've been in a lockdown period we've sort of somewhat evolved in that and we've come away slightly from that especially from a, a school perspective we've come back into our school life our culture of being our school family if you like and then it's continued. So the veins of COVID have continued to spread and we've had an inkling of hope. And now it feels somewhat that our dreams are starting to be shattered and hope is depleted in people and human beings without hope. That's where the problems lie. That's uh, utterly fascinating. I would say that that is pretty much been my experience also. That's Mm -hmm. uh, the first time the lockdown occurred because it was a complete lockdown, 
And, uh, you know, it was sort of board game night at home and encouraging everybody and, and aren't we doing this well and aren't we doing that well. Then there's the period where you begin to really plan for a school to properly reopen. And I think because the hope is there that that's going to happen, and in fact, those plans are, are being made and being realized, your hope does soar. And then, you know, in our case, uh, immediately when school began, there was immediately a confirmed case of COVID. And it's been a half-term struggle for everybody since as Jesse Jackson would say, how do we keep hope alive? What are you helping people to process in, t- in this situation in terms of keeping a perspective of hope where things seem pretty dire? I think there's something about being real. We do a good job, you know, as educators, as, as anybody in a support role. Um, sometimes it can be seen as very fluffy, I think is a good word for it, of cajoling and picking up, getting back on, doing those things. There is something about us being companions to Mm -hmm. people, companions to our colleagues, companions to our students, um, with a firm focus around relationships and putting them at the centre and building social capital around that. You know, I think that We give value to these things, but on the grand scheme of things, we don't focus on them. And that's society, that's not just from an education perspective or a school perspective, is that relationships really matter. When we build good relationships, that enables us to build our self-esteem and our self-worth and enables us then to have that hope, to think about what do we want for the future there's something in there very mindful. You will hear that phrase, be mindful. Well, what is mindfulness? We hear it, it's bandied around a lot. Be mindful, focus, you know, all of those things. But when we look at mindfulness, there's something about living too far in the past and too far in the future. There's a very typical phrase in there, life happens to you while you're busy making plans. That's what we do. We make grand plans for ourselves in the hope of the next thing. So People will now book holidays for next year, something to look forward to, thinking that Christmas is gone, you know, we're going to be in a lockdown, lots of speculation around things. Let's do something, let's plan something ahead of ourselves to to look forward to that point. For me, there's something about bringing people back to the here and now. We are here. There's lots of maybes happening maybe we will be in a lockdown, maybe we won't. That can be very disconcerting for people. But when we sit in the moment and we acknowledge this is where we are, and it is okay, it is okay to not feel great about this. It is okay to be where you're at. Being that companion alongside that person, along their journey, whatever their path is, is pivotal in that movement of emotional growth. Obviously, we are confronted here with a reality that is unforeseen. This is still unforeseen. We're facing something that's, that's very big, probably bigger than we're willing to acknowledge. I find myself, you know, looking out the window saying, well, this is just like school. You know, my, my office is still school and look at all these kids. They're still working pretty hard. And to, to experience something is to, is to give it meaning, it seems to me. Um, in, in order for something that confronts you to become an experience that you can cope with, you've got to provide some kind of meaning to that because otherwise it, it, it just sort of sits there. Now, everybody does this, I think, pretty automatically. Everybody's making that meaning all the time. 
And I suppose I'm, I'm interested in the spectrum of meaning making, really. One option is to say, well, there's this little virus. It is what it is, the famous Donald Trump saying. In a sense, it means nothing. It, it just is what it is. Of course, there are people who say, no, it, uh, it's a hoax. We hear from pupils and from parents sometimes that it's, it's not as serious as that. We hear other people who believe that they are an imminent uh, danger of uh, mortality in their house. So all these people are interpreting this, this common experience we're having in a completely different way. And then I suppose there's some people who, in a way, aren't experiencing it at all because they're not trying to give it any kind of meaning. They're it's zombified by the whole thing. It's, it's just whack after whack after whack. How would you propose somebody go about kind of thinking what this reality is? Yeah, moving it towards experience from just something that's happening to them. I think, I think that's a large question and I think that it's based around personal experience, as is everything. You know, you, you mentioned before about your own personal experiences, hands of, of how you dealt with the initial lockdown and your family and those things. But as human beings, we've had many experiences and this one will interlink with prior experiences. So when we talk about our young people and our staff and, and parents around us, you know, is that there will be previous traumas in lives, there will be other issues going on that will interlink with how people view this situation. Some people, as you say, will will view this as a re-traumatization and it will be a full re-traumatization of other experiences in their lives. And so in seeking support, in in seeking of how to deal with those things, that is a very person-centered approach and mindset really from my perspective. So in a way, each person, the model is not to uh, go to the internet and say, here are the three tips for survival. Uh, as ever on the podcast, we're being a little bit more subtle than that. Uh, each, each person is going to approach this. How can families, parents particularly, create an environment or create a space where these things are acknowledged and these individual responses are kept that way, are, are in fact acknowledged and developed? There are some really basic things to be had there. And I think what we found, and there's lots of lessons to be learned from the initial lockdown. I think we've experienced some form of adversarial growth from that, you know, is that we went into that lockdown and we did lots of reflection. I know I did, you know, I went into that lockdown and I thought, oh, this is time with family time that I've not had previously, you know, with my children and different things. I went straight to the woods and built dens and did all sorts of different things in this bid to be a good home educator as well as do my job at the same time. That fell by the wayside later on in the lockdown, but there became a lot of reflection around what's important and it became less about the sorts of maybe more material things and more again about, and I know I mentioned earlier about the relationships, but I feel it's pivotal in this situation. It's shone a heavy light on what we need as human beings. So in response to your question with regards to parents, being with your child and being present, we live in a culture at the moment whereby social media and devices take over a large part and Our children have got their heads in their phones and are sourcing lots of information, but spending time with your children and with your 
families and having conversations. And what I mean by conversations is not, hi, how's your day? What's going on here? But truly listening. So the speaking and listening elements to that and acknowledging where they're coming from and hearing them. You use two words, really. One is relationship. The other one is companionship. And companionship is interesting because it's a word we, we use less. And companionship implies a sort of fellowship on a journey. To me, it has a, a sense of direction to it. Mm-hmm. And essentially, I'm going to boil down the, the Kate Scott tips and say, look, it's, it's all about those relationship and that creation of that companionship, whether, whether it's here at school, where we're just trying to keep our kids and ourselves going and realizing that it's that companionship that's going to pull us through these particular moments. Any specific activities that you've stumbled on in your discussions with people that have just struck you as, as like, wow, you know, that, that's, a really, that's a really great idea for, you know, so, so many things we can't do other than watching Sky Sports. And I'm, I, I must be visiting these American political websites 55,000 times a night as, you know, the polls and all that, getting completely hooked into some of these processes. But have you come across things where people have said, you know, actually, we, we, we do this every night or, or you know, I, I've started to do this and, and I, I find that very helpful because I'd love to hear about stuff. Like that. I spoke to somebody yesterday who had never been to the gym and I think there's, there's processes there to be had, you know, um, spoke to me and said, you know, I've gone headlong into this, I've, I've improved my fitness, but as a consequence, I've lifted my well-being as well. Mm-hmm. You know, so I've taken on an activity I never thought I'd be able to achieve and look what it showed me. So it's also given me something. It means now I'm physically healthy, but it also contributes to my mental health as well. Yeah. And I think, you know, you mentioned earlier on about going to websites and lots of top tips. And there are some amazing things out there. There are. I think that, again, there's not one shape fits all. So when we talk about, you know, the Kate Scott top 10 tips for surviving this or doing, there is no set regime that will see one single person through. There will be lots of different elements of approach that will be able to um, fulfill that person's needs. Now, I'm sure our podcast is not long enough for me to, to list them, but we can also signpost people as an offshoot of what we're doing today is that we can provide a provision where we can list lots of different support networks and avenues. Okay. I think it would be good to get that on the LC Press uh, blog site, you know, as, as a piece to go with the podcast, to have something in, in writing that people can look to. Because one of the fascinating things that a lot of people have commented to me at school is mm-hmm. this sense of increased independence in young people, mm. that uh, one of the unintended consequences, and, and they view this as entirely positive, this is not a negative, is that you know people are kind of taking more responsibility for their mm-hmm. own learning and its direction. I've, I've had a glimpse of that working with some young people on illustrations for a book I'm writing, where they, they have independently done particular things, but teachers just generally are struck mm-hmm by the focus mm-hmm. on this. Uh, uh, and and that, that is a very interesting, I think at this stage, we, we can't even call it a theory. It's a hypothesis. You can look at that, can't you? Because if we look at other situations in history, post-war, lots of different situations whereby 
we can look at tragedy and see built resilience out of that. So it's what's born out of this and it's how it's viewed. During lockdown, I've taken, I've been partaking in a process myself of a therapy, um, a narrative therapy. Mm-hmm. And it's viewed of stories, stories around ourselves and stories that we tell of ourselves. And there are many different stories, you know, and I think we can focus We can come out of a lockdown, we can come out of COVID and look at all of the tragedy that's around us. And we can live victim to that as individuals and as a society. Or we look at the other stories that happened during this period and we make them our strong stories and the stories of us as a nation, as a population, as a people or as a person and what we hold on to to move forward what's next for us what's our individual vision what's our our bigger vision that framework is a great way also as a parent to do conversations with your kids i think to start telling these stories and start start discussing both this period and 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 their lives to come i, I in our family i've i've observed at different points uh, I mean, just to get even more individualized, at different points, different people, different members of the family are are hitting different cycles of of, of engagement, and I suppose optimism. Well, look, Kate, I really appreciate this chat. It's great that you can share some of the things that you are hearing and experiencing, and I, I take away this this concept of of story, of of conversation, of companionship, of relationship. And and the individualization of that, the way uh, each person needs that companionship and that relationship to keep moving forward. That's what we're going to do. Thank you very much for your time and for your work. And uh, together, with with your help and and with our uh, companionship with each other, uh, we will, as they say, uh, not only get through lockdown and self-isolation, Uh, we will turn this into a very fruitful time. Thank you, Kate. Continuing some of the themes discussed in this podcast, today's musical item is called We'll Come Through.
We hope you have enjoyed the podcast and we thank you for listening. More information and material can be found on www.lcpress.org.uk. If you have an idea for a podcast or would like to contribute to the show, why not email us at editor at lcpress.org.uk. Please follow us on Twitter and Instagram at lcpress and imagination in education. See you next time.